This is the Making of Dharmaland podcast, episode 10, and I'm your host, Brian Chittister. I also co-produced the Dharmaland album, as I've said at the beginning of every one of these episodes. And this particular one is about track number nine on the album, entitled The Lion and the Fox. It was originally written by Abi sometime in 1961, and it was copyright stamped by the Library of Congress on December 11th, 61. So probably written sometime in mid to late 1961. Eden's Island was definitely already out at that point. Melodically, the first part, AKA the lion part of the the track or the, the song is similar to scene one later on this album. And it's a melody that had been recycled by Abby four or five times before and after this song. The second part, The Fox, was later recorded by Abby as Once There Was a Girl. And the melody of The Fox is also similar to the next song on this album, The Sandal Maker. And that's kind of why they were put back to back. I like the sort of flowy, instrumental, cerebral part aspect of The Fox and then the more pop culture, pop song version of the same or similar melody on the very next song. So that was one of the things that was part of the decision-making process about which songs would go on Dharmaland. Again, as I said in the opening episode, there were 22 lead sheets in Abby's archive at the Library of Congress that were written and copyrighted between 1960 and 1963, and I whittled it down to 12, based mainly on shared musical themes, lyrical themes, and some shared motifs. And so, obviously, one of those things that helped make that decision was whether things shared melodies. In the stash, you didn't really get him having one song written in a specific way and then another being titled differently being the exact same song. That really didn't happen, which impressed me. What happened more was you'd hear a bit here from a bridge that would be moved to an intro, and then from that intro, you might hear it somewhere else as a verse. So Abi was taking melodic parts and modulating them around. And I actually liked that because it reminded me of the Beach Boys Smile album and how these different melodic bits from Smile were getting moved around. And so this part of Do You Like Worms would later get reappropriated as a chorus of Heroes and Villains. And this part of Heroes and Villains popped up later in the song Wonderful. So I like that kind of modular aspect of Smile a lot, and I didn't expect it to be a part of Dharmaland, but as the songs were getting demoed, I realized, oh yeah, this is great. There's just a little piece of this, of Bualto here. Anyway, that was definitely the case of The Lion and the Fox and the next song, The Sandal Maker, and in particular, why they were placed so near each other. So you got The Lion and the Fox, And the lion part has some similar melodic bits to scenes, which comes two songs later. And the fox has some similar melodic themes as the sandal maker, and that comes right next. So on that side, you're kind of getting some intermingling and some recycling within the album itself. Or as I I kind of thought of it as leitmotifs in that kind of like Wagnerian way of thinking. Both parts, I believe, of this song, The Lion and the Fox, were arranged by Henrik Magnusson of Ixtihule. The lion is arranged in a kind of Cal Jader or Dave Brubeck timeout style, pretty much unlike anything Abi ever did himself arrangement-wise. 
and the fox is arranged more or less like a standard exotica song with no direct reference to Abby's brand of exotica on Eden's Island that I can detect. I myself consider my input on this track to be a lot less than the others on the album, both in terms of concept prior to the recording sessions and overdubs or mixing after principal recording. Henrik and the band really had kind of a fully fleshed out vision for the lion and they rocked out on the Abbey drum set on the recording sessions in LA. So I don't see my imprint a lot. And so I can only speak to what they were doing almost like as a bystander or a critic because I never really got involved in the technical aspects of the notes that they wrote down or the arrangements or how they recorded things. Again, I sort of had the field to myself for a long time, like eight or nine years before they got involved to develop it at a conceptual stage and really think about who I wanted on it and what I wanted it to have included. And then once they picked it up, they, they kind of gave it that technical side of like actually arranging it and making it into something tangible. And then afterwards, I got really inspired to add other things or create more dynamics or, or whatnot in the mixing stage and the overdub stage. Joe and I did open up the mix in post, which had been a bit compressed in the mix that the band had submitted in January 2020. And I also lobbied hard and finally got my way with the roaring lion sound effects and the wordless female vocals or the moans and wails and growls, which were recorded by Exenia Creason, who's kind of like a, like a Swedish Bjork, very emotive and experimental solo artist. And the idea for the moans and wails and growls on the lion section of, of this song came from my having listened to Les Baxter's album, The Passions, with the singer Bathsheba basically doing this kind of vocal throughout the album. And then Abi himself had a 45 in 1961, a new version of Nature Boy as recorded by Don Reed and Lorelei. Lorelei was basically an unknown female vocalist who wailed around the well-known, often recorded melody of Nature Boy. And I think Xenia did a great job of ma matching that kind of Bathsheba, Lorelei energy, while at the same time adding her own touch to, to the lion. I added the fox sound effect between the two parts of this song, between the lion and the fox, um, kind of as an ode to the animal cries at the beginning of Gene Rain's 1961 version of Lotus Land. Matthias had mentioned that Lotus Land, the album by Gene Rains, was an influence on him personally in an interview about Dharma Land. And after that, I threw that sound effect in there in hopes that he might catch it. So I don't know if he did. The Fox arrangement was not changed much during the mixing stage, except for the addition of Joanne Lazaro's bamboo flute solo. The original mix that the band had sent back to me just went back and forth between piano and vibraphone solos for three or three and a half minutes. And I kind of felt it was too monotone, a little bit too samey. And so I had Joanne improvise a solo for, I think, 12 or 16 bars, and then back to the original piano vibraphone solos. The title, The Lion and the Fox, 
suggests an association with the old Greek fable by Aesop about the lion and the fox, which was essentially about the difference between brawn and brains, the lion being the brawn and the fox being the clever or cunning being, and how they, by the, by the end of the fable, find commonality and actually become friends. I also thought about the lion as like the king of the jungle and the fox being kind of like a court jester or a fool. So there you get like the fools and kings as in the lyrics of Nature Boy. And here you have Abi basically instrumentally and conceptually revisiting via an old fable this idea of the greatest thing you'll ever learn is just to love and be loved in return which both the lion and the fox learn in the course of Aesop's fable. So, it, a, again, here's another example of Abi reintroducing a theme that is heavy throughout his oeuvre, this idea of universal love, this idea of on life's path, you meet people from all walks of life, from, all, from different economic or social statuses, and yet at the same time, the one thing that, that they all share or can potentially share is love for each other. And so I like the fact that through this sort of archetypal folkloric title, it is referencing that story. And yet he doesn't go through and create lyrics to kind of reference it. He uses instead his instrumental palette and the power of suggestion of the title to evoke that friendship, which starts out somewhat fraught with danger and fear and ends in understanding and universal love. And that is a, a thing that I think makes Abi's music relevant to today. It makes the Dharmaland album, I think, relevant to today. We live in a time of great divide and people live with a lot of fear. And I think in a way, Abi's music tries to encourage commonality and love and universal brotherhood rather than keeping ourselves stratified the way things seem like they, they increasingly are going. So in that way, I hope some of the album, even just in its essence, is able to convey something that feels really resonant and relevant to our times.